Hello there, my pastor friend. Thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to Shepherdology. If you are a pastor, this podcast is for you. I want to be a friend to pastors, and so Shepherdology is designed to be a friendly voice in your ear, providing encouragement and support and prayer. And often I start with an encouraging truth, and then we talk about a topic and then have prayer for you. We'll have a little different format today because I have an interview that I want to share with you. I am very, very thankful to have had the opportunity to have here a friend and uh, co-labor in ministry, Kevin Inafuku, and we're going to be talking about a topic that has been something I have desired to develop and implement in the church ministries that I've been involved in, and the way I describe this is intentional worship. It is so easy for us to fall into a routine of worshiping God, especially in the area of music, in a thoughtless way and without truly engaging our hearts in worshiping God. What I would like to do today is actually take that idea of developing intentional musical worship in the church setting and asking this friend of mine, Kevin Nafuku, his thoughts and views on intentional musical worship and how he has developed that in the ministries that he is serving in. Kevin and his wife Misty have served on the island of Guam in the South Pacific for about 15 years. He was the pastor of worship and discipleship at Harvest Baptist Church there. Now he's part of a church planting team in Salt Lake City, Utah, and then plans to soon head back to his home state of Hawaii, where he is going to be involved in church revitalization and church planting. So we're going to turn now to the interview that I had with Kevin and hear what he has to say about developing intentional musical worship in the church. We just finished a fantastic week with pastors and wives and other Christian workers together here at Faith Baptist Bible College in our Refresh Conference. And Kevin Inafuku was with us for the week providing his ministry of music uh, just from his own heart of of love for the Lord and and also ministering to everyone who's been gathered here. And I've just known and, and observed Kevin's life and ministry for a number of years and really appreciate his approach to musical worship. And I just thought, you know, while Kevin is here at our conference, I just want to uh, see if I could get him in here for the Shepherdology podcast and spend some time talking about musical worship and, and maybe in a way that would encourage you as a pastor, and especially in the area of, of being purposeful and intentional. And those are kind of buzzwords, and we might you know hear those here and there, but I, I do think it's important. I remember when I was pastoring, and I, I just had the, the desire to help people sing thoughtfully and worship purposefully rather than just kind of a routine or haphazard approach. And, and I think of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where he says, I, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. And I think people need help knowing what they're singing about, just con- meditating on what they're singing about, and also doing it in a purposeful way. 
So that's what I've asked Kevin to spend some time with us here today talking about. Kevin has been ministering on the island of Guam. Uh, He's been the pastor of worship and discipleship at Harvest Baptist Church there. Now he is in the Salt Lake City, Utah area in a church revitalization ministry, and then also has some exciting plans for the future, which we'll talk about in a little while. But Kevin, just wanted to say thank you for spending this time with us, and and uh, maybe you can also just tell us a little more about the ministries that you've been involved in. Thank you, Dean, for having me here. Man, what a privilege it's been to be at Faith Baptist Bible College and the Refresh Conference. Um, this is our first time on campus and at the conference, and so we've just enjoyed the fellowship. We've enjoyed the the opportunity to sit under the preaching of the Word and um like the other pastors, it just has been a refreshment to our souls, and and uh, so we're just thankful for the privilege of being here. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, I've been around the world a little bit, but after graduating, um, traveled with Steve Pettit um, and his team for three years, and I think those were some some really good formative years and even informational years as we traveled around to many many different churches and different kinds of churches and faithful men and women who have been serving um, the local church for many years. It was such a good time, I think, of observation as well. And um, and then I, after those years, or actually during those years, I also was up at Northland Camping Conference Center and helping um, establish their music program for camp. And that was also another good experience and um, working with the college and, and, uh, and, counselors that came every summer and and using music as an opportunity to um, disciple even uh, the staff there. So that was a, a great time. And then in 2003, we went over to um, Guam, or I went over to Guam, and, have, and was there until 2017. And um, yeah, those were some pretty awesome years. We just saw the Lord do, I saw the Lord personally do a lot of uh, things in my own life and heart, and um, as He promises to do, and conforming us to His to His image, and and um, and so I'm I'm just thankful. I've I've said this many times. I'm so thankful for these opportunities that God has put into my life because they've just been shaping and um, God's means of of uh, changing my own heart and life and giving me a clear direction and and a passion for the things that he's called me to do. And so Harvest was instrumental in that in the local church and really seeing God um, do a work in the church and seeing people saved and discipled. And and I think that was uh, really exciting to me to be um, on an island that uh, has a church that that, is, that does that. And um, I grew up in Hawaii where the churches were smaller and, and um, there really wasn't... Uh, a good balance of all of that in the local church. So I was just thankful for that opportunity of growing and seeing God's church grow. And uh, I think through that, um, the Lord's uh, given given me uh, a burden to, to really think through a worship service. And we had multi-cultures, I mean, many, I think it was like 13 different cultures in our congregation. And so because of that, it's, it's such a different context than probably what most churches are used to. And so thinking through how can we be intentional um, and what are the core values that we really think are important in a worship service. And and um, 
with uh, Marty Heron. We we did a lot of talking through and flushing out, and and um, even with my good friend Jonathan Albright, many many conversations as as he was in a church, a local church as well. We just would have a lot of conversations about this, and and um, really desiring for um, our churches to to really help people to sing well, but to sing understanding what they're singing and why they're singing and to who they're singing. And, uh, and so that was a, a burden of ours. And, and um, I think that was really helpful for me um, in that context because, because you had to be really clear with the many different cultures. Uh, what is the theme of the service and where is pastor um, going to go in the text and really helping everyone's thoughts to be channeled in the right direction, knowing that everybody's coming into church with a lot of different thoughts. And uh, probably like many of you in, in your churches that people are just coming in and they're just so thankful they made it. <laughs> and so we we really thought through that because on an island, everybody can, uh, can uh, show up on island time too. So that's another thing we had to think through and uh, and know how we want to start our service so people aren't coming in and they're like, where are we at? But really start from the very beginning, being intentional, even with that island way of, of doing things. And so that was helpful in those years to really uh, process all of that. I think we naturally in, in the things we learned in college, you know, those are th- good things. But it really, when you get out in the local church, you're like, uh, I don't know that I really want to plan the services three months in advance. And I think it was even at at that time at Harvest where it drove the secretaries crazy because they wanted to know everything three three months in advance. But I started really doing the order of service weekly and working with Pastor um, throughout the week on his message and and then going from there. Um, some of the big things that in a in a bigger church where you have groups and choirs and orchestra and instruments playing those things you kind of had to plan <laughs> in advance but um uh, but as far as the the order of service and the the songs that, congregational songs that we were singing that was a weekly thing and that was something that um sometimes didn't even get done till friday um but it was because we were really praying through it and we really wanted to um i wanted to get pastors final thoughts on where he was going with the message and that's carried over into into utah and um and actually in a greater way because um, um, we didn't have other entities in the in the ministry like a Christian school. So we have the ability to spend a little more time working through that together with Danny Brooks. And, and so we try to spend time on Wednesday um, really flushing out where he's going in the text and the themes that he is going to be emphasizing. And so that's really been helpful. And, uh, and so the choosing of songs, I mean, there's so many songs that are out there. Again, the accessibility of it, you know, can can our people understand the text? And uh, is the text solid? Is it based on the Word, centered in the Word? Those are things that we're always thinking about. We also want it to be an edifying time. So they're, they're going to be challenged and encouraged through the singing, singing to the Lord, but one to another. And, um, and so we think through that. How can these songs not only be focused on God and who he is, um, but yet at the same time centered around the word that's going to um, be a challenge and encouragement to our hearts. And and so I try not to do a lot of new songs 
Although I do believe, I'm kind of rambling right now, but I, I do believe that in, in our day and age, I think people can learn songs pretty quickly. And it has a lot to do with just, you know, uh, our devices and the things that we, and um, and so that's another thing. I, I try to pick songs that have tunes that are that are easy um, to sing and um, that tie right into the text very effectively. And it's not, you know, sometimes we, sing a song about sin and it's like we're happy and so we're trying to find the tune that fits the text and that really is is helpful to our people and in, in being able to even learn the song so i think we've settled in at at gospel hope where we're trying to teach one new song a month and i think a lot of churches are doing that it's helpful repetition is helpful and we're just trying to build a library of songs that that are church you know, it's like memorizing scripture, you know, they're just, they can be able to draw upon throughout the week and, and it be something that, that would anchor them to truth. I just think music is such an important, I know I'm kind of going on some of your questions here, but the role of music in the church is so important because it's, um, you know, I tell our people, you know, you're, you're walking with the Lord in the word Monday through Saturday, Lord willing, hopefully you're in the word and, uh, and that's great. I think it's that's the per, the individual's personal relationship with God. But to come together on a Sunday with other believers who've been doing hopefully the same thing and um and you just can't wait. You know, there's just something inside of you that's just wanting to spill out uh and proclaim who God is and how he's shown himself to you and and the singing of God's people is just the means to do that. And I think it's it's such an incredible thing. And in our context in Utah, we're, you know, um, we have former um, LDS folks that are coming in and they've lost their family and their community. They're very lonely. So coming in as a body and singing um, and there's life and there's joy and there's peace because of the overflow of Monday through Saturday, it's it's an unbelievable thing. And we don't really have to manufacture that. I mean, it's impossible to manufacture that anyways, but you don't have to add lights or uh, smoke or add instruments. I mean, it's just oftentimes it's just a keyboard or it's just acapella or, you know, there's, we tell our people all the time, the instruments are there to aid in that and supplement the text and tune, but um, it's really the, the voices that God's given to us. The only instrument that, that we have to really proclaim um, the character of God, and and to be able to edify each other at the same time. Kevin, this is obviously a passion you carry with you in your heart, and uh, thank you for for just letting that flow of thought come and, and communicate that. That's that's really what I want my pastor friends to hear. You you touched on this, but I'll I'll ask the question just to kind of go back and review it. I, I use the term purposeful worship or worship on purpose. And again, sometimes I think it can be random or maybe an extreme, you know, example is, you know, you walk in Sunday morning and plop the hymnal on the pew and see where it opens up to. And, okay, we'll sing that one first. And then, oh, I like this one. Let's sing this one. And the pianist knows this one really well. We'll sing that one. And there's our three songs. Going from there, okay, if that's random or, or unplanned, what what is purposeful worship, and and what does that look like for you, for for the person who selects and leads the music, and then also for the congregation as well? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, again, this is not 
the only way, but this is something that we've thought through in our own church, and we we actually use this in um, our prayer services as well. Um, in our worship service, we feel it's important to call people to worship. They're coming in. Some are just running in, like I said, with, with all their children, and and it's just been crazy. And so we're calling them to worship through the public reading of Scripture. And so even right away off the bat, we're 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 reading scripture, and oftentimes it's a psalm that we're um, encouraging them to come into His presence with singing, with joy, and and then along that lines, we start our service with uh, a section of of just adoration or praise, um, and it and ultimately it's the character of God. We want to see God for who He is, and like I said, there's people, workaday people that are coming in, um, and it's just been hard all week long and and so we want to uh, the best that we can put aside uh, everything that's going on around around them and and help them to lift their eyes um to who God is and so we with the with the selection of our songs that's a a number one priority in the beginning of the service because um you know if we're focusing on just us throughout the whole service it's just you know, it just ends up being um, all about us. And so we, we intentionally try to uh, choose and select songs that um, magnify who God is right off the bat. And just like how we read in Scripture, it's, you know, when we see God for who He is, then we see who we are. And so there's a time of confession in that. And and that can either be done through prayer corporately and um, uh, and then singing corporately together. We're singing a prayer of confession and dependence on the Lord, that we really desire to worship Him in spirit and in truth, um, but we uh, we need His help. And so sometimes, I'll flip that, you know, sometimes it'll be, you know, I can sense as a pastor that people are coming in and they're very heavy, and so um, we'll call an audible and uh, we'll actually have a time of confession first, and we'll just come before the Lord and we'll have you know, just a time of prayer individually um, on their own. And then and then I'll pray and we'll we'll start there because we can't really magnify the, the greatness uh, and the glory of God if if we're coming in with with weights and with with uh, heaviness in our hearts. And so sometimes that's changed around. And and there are songs, there are many songs out there that that are songs of prayer and confession and just lends to um, helping people. Um, in our context, some uh, former more, former LDS folks don't really know how to pray, um, and so some of these songs really help them um, to search their hearts and to and to ask the Lord to uh, forgive them if there's some things that aren't right. And then also we encourage them at any time. You know, if God brings to their heart and mind something between another them and another person that that we want them to take care of that. And there's no fear. It's more important to to stop what you're doing, leave your gift at the altar and go and make things right. And so we try to emphasize that as well. I said this early on, but we also have another, um, not just in our call to worship, but we also have another public reading of scripture throughout those songs. And uh, I think the more you can have the word being read during the service and during your worship service, I just think it's it's God-focused and it's word-centered. And so we want to do that as much as we can. I'll have some of our vocalists read or instrumentalists read, and so it's not just me up there or or one of the pastors, but we try to incorporate other people as well. 
And then that all of this leads to um, the expositional preaching of the word. And um, so the flow of that, I it just depends on, when I say flow, I mean like the selection of of your songs in the meter or the, I guess the, there are songs that are more upbeat and there are songs that are more, uh, a little slower. And so, you know, sometimes going into the message, it's going to be a, a little bit more reflective and slower, or sometimes knowing where, where the pastor is going, it's going to actually be, man, we're going to sing with all of our hearts and we're going to, it's going to be a little more upbeat. So some of that in the rise and fall of the order of services is just dependent on where the, where pastor is going in the start of his text. And, um, and somewhere in there, uh, we've done it differently every time where every, in, in the two churches I was, I've been in, um, as far as where we would take the offering. And, um, when we were at harvest, uh, we just felt like, man, after the preaching of the word, um, that, you know, he's given to us, he's spoken to us, he's, he's worked in our hearts. We want to give back to him. And so we, we did the offering at the end of the service and, and did that as a time of just, um, our hearts just are overflowing even more. We want to give back to the Lord. In Utah, we we do it um, right after our adoration and praise section, and going into our confession session section or a prayer, a song of prayer before the message, and um, that's worked well because we incorporate that with the public reading of Scripture. So there's all kinds of different ways, but for us, this is the the purposeful way and intentional way that we we feel um, fits us. Now, saying that, we just had a, a talk with our team last night because I, I brought up my observations of people coming in to church, uh, like we talked about, with lots going on. And um, But in our context, not only that, not only are they busy, but they're very lonely because of, you know, they've lost a lot of their family and community. And so coming into church, too, can also feel a little isolating. People come and just sit in their pews or the chairs, sorry, and and. The pastors are going around greeting people, but it it just you just feel that everyone's kind of just there, and so we've talked about changing that beginning and that call to worship to where we're you know we're singing uh, to God and who He is, but then we're taking some time really to to greet one another. And I know some churches do that, but for us, it's an intentional thing because it it helps them to feel like yeah they're they're accepted here, they belong here, and um and we're so glad that they're here. And I think that would really ignite the congregational singing as we move forward and they they don't feel so alone and and a little nervous about singing and so again that's a context thing where we just have sensed that with our people coming in um, that they're coming in just a little lonely so that's something that we might be kind of adding to our order of service thank you Kevin this is so so good and uh, that leads me to another question um, there's kind of a uh, again, maybe a traditional mentality of song leading. So you've got the person who picks songs and then stands up in front of people and waves his arms and keeps all the you know, musicians together and everybody's singing together. And more recently, I think the idea of leading worship uh, is becoming, becoming prominent. So what do you see as the difference and what are your thoughts on, on that difference? Yeah, that's another great question. Uh, and I love music, and so the leading of music, um, the conducting of music is is a great thing. And so I want to start there because I don't want anyone to think that it's not good. I think it's really good. I mean, we, especially if you've been trained in that area, you feel 
you feel that inside of you that you want everyone to be together on the same beat and um, you want everyone to be blending whether it's voices or instruments and and that's important and I think that's something we really wrestled with at Harvest um, was um, people felt like when you started talking to the different people groups that were there in the cultures um, they they sort of felt like everything was a performance and and a little intimidated by it um it was really good they would walk away and say man that was so good and um but yet they never wanted to really jump in and be a part of it because they felt like i could never do that and it's like at a certain level that and um and i really started thinking about the perception from from the pew you know a lot of people don't know why my arm is being waved (laughs) around and so they didn't really understand what are you doing up there? It looks kind of weird, you know. Folks that were maybe unchurched or, or have no clue what music conducting is. And so um, I really thought through that, and, and especially people that we really were you know, unchurched folks or unsafe folks that were coming in the doors that we really didn't want them to be distracted because, you know, we want them to sing. And even those that don't know the Lord would actually want to worship God because of our worship. And so we didn't want all anything to be a distraction. So we thought through that and um it was a big change, especially for musicians that are true musicians. And uh so I spent a lot of time talking through this with them and and really wanting them to know the 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 why behind why I'm not gonna wave my arms anymore. And and you know, I went to holding a microphone and that had nothing to do with again entertainment, but it had to do with the freedom to move around on the stage because sometimes um, if I'm not waving my arms, I need the piano player to, and she can connect with me and, and see me. And, and then other times it's actually, I, I see a group on this side of the auditorium that, um, that I really want to minister to. And it's going back to the question, leading music, standing behind a pulpit and just waving your arms is helpful in the musical realm but then there's the calling on our on my life to actually pastor and shepherd people that are under our care and so there's that is the number one motivation behind even carrying a microphone it's oftentimes the distance between the seats and the pew uh the the pulpit is so far and so there's just opportunity to be right there on the ground with them um and depending on the song and where we're at in the training of our musicians, we just took a lot of time to to help them to learn to listen to my voice as I lead. And that's been something that it's been, you know, the musicians will say, no, that's, we can't, we got to watch this. And like anything, um, we can be trained in that way. And they were easily trained. In fact, is became very, it, it caused them to be more sensitive to um, the text. And um, so if we had strings and brass and, you know, anybody else on the stage that we're playing, oftentimes they get focused on their notes and their notes don't have the text there because it's just orchestration notes or it's just um, chords or whatever it is. And so they're not really focused in on the text and we want our, they're part of our body and we want them to be engaged in, in what we're singing. And so we found that it actually has been helpful to them because they're playing their notes, but they're now they're having to listen to my voice even more intentionally. And in that they're, they're focusing on the words. And I've oftentimes looked behind me and I'm, I'm seeing them looking up at the PowerPoint and watching the words and, 
And um, so that's been a positive thing as we work through some of those inconveniences of not directing. But, you know, and then after a while, they just, they have learned me and they, they know that we sometimes never sing the same song the same way or one song the same way. It's usually, and a lot of times it's because of um, where we're going in um, that order uh, to the text where pastor's preaching, or sometimes it's um, caring for our body and where they're at. And so we're not just going to sing that song so fast and everybody's just hanging on and where are we going? And man, I, I know he's faithful, but man, I, I you know, and it's just, um, and so there are times where we're singing a song that might be an upbeat song, but we're singing it actually in a more reflective way. And a lot of that's intentional even within our body. So I I take it um, very seriously um, because um, I can visually see the church and the body when they're singing and how they're singing. And I take that as an opportunity even to exhort and to challenge, so not just in caring for them and where they're at, and you can see it in their eyes, um, but also challenging them and exhorting them in their singing to the Lord, in their worship to the Lord. And so I think that's the difference between just just getting up there and, and leading those three songs that were chosen and and making sure everybody's on beat and everybody's playing. And um, at the same time, that it, it is important. It's the shepherding of God's people and uh, helping those that are playing and singing as well as those that are in the congregation that are singing. And um, we've changed it even at Harvest with our choir. They used to be back in a choir loft, and we kind of took the choir loft out, and we pushed them to the front of the stage right behind me, and we put the orchestra in the back. And and we just wanted that people to know that um, it's not a performance, but they're singing with the body congregationally. And so we just have them up, up close, spread out, and... And they're leading um, with their voices as well. And and so there's a lot of things that we've thought through to help everybody know that we're all together. It's not just those up on the stage and then I'm here over here, but we're we're one body. And, and I feel like it's my, my uh, responsibility to incorporate everyone and not distract them. And at the same time, um, be sensitive to um, where our people are and help help lead them to be able to sing with understanding. Kevin, another question I want to ask for the, for the benefit of uh, the pastors who are listening here, who might be in a situation where it is more of a, of a not-as-thoughtful approach, um, but they want to move their church toward that. They want to help their people grow in how they approach the musical worship. And you've been through that uh, in leading a, a congregation through that process of growth and change in really being purposeful in their worship. So could you just uh, talk a little bit about that? How how would a pastor approach that? What should he be focusing on? And uh, just kind of some steps he'd be taking? This can be a, a hard and difficult topic, and um, but I think it, it goes back to our philosophy. Why do we do what we do? What do we believe biblically is the right thing for our local church? We can't speak for any other churches or any other organizations, but but for our local church and 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 the body that God's called us to. And so, at Harvest in Guam, as we started to develop this, we, you know, it was um, I mean, I was young still, so I I 
I could easily be very reactionary, you know, like, man, we need to just do it. And, um, but God, but God sobered me, uh, through that time because I spent some time, um, with some of our staff, um, when I first went out there and just interviewed staff because I knew where my pastor wanted to go, but I also knew that it could be a long and difficult battle, not, you know, if I didn't know where everybody was. And it was, it was revealing to me that, um, I think a lot of our staff, which came from from great churches in the states and colleges, um, Christian colleges, um, that they communicated to me that that if there was not if we were not singing out of certain hymnals or certain songbooks, that it it was actually sin. And so initially, I kind of did react to my spirit, but I as the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, I don't. I don't hold any of that against him. I think I think it was more of a challenge to how can we how can we biblically help them to formulate uh, a philosophy of worship that's not what I think, but maybe something that um, they can go to the Word and be able to flush out for themselves. And so that became a a desire I know of 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 the team there, and it didn't happen all at once. I mean, it was a process, and so we. Um, some of it happened individually where um, I went to to key people in our church that I knew um, really they were wrestling with this. They were taught a certain way, and so their consciences were bound by that. And and it wasn't a—they didn't have an attitude about it. It was just, this is wrong. And if we sang, sing this song by this person, it would really um, bother them. I, and I did not want to cause them— to, to stumble or sin. So we had a lot of conversations and um, helping people. And I think that's the third T I know that Pastor had shared with me. Pastor Heron shared with me was obviously the text and the tune, but he, he created his own as he often does, but tending to the to the flock. And so we have to tend to them. And, and again, there's so many different kinds of people in our church. And so um, we took some time to really one-on-one and then in a group setting, whether it was a small group or um, whether it was my choir that I was leading or the orchestra, I would try to take some time in our rehearsals and just do some teaching and helping and understanding um, because some because a lot of these f- folks, all of them were good folks and they all love the Lord. So it wasn't a matter of the fact that they didn't want to worship God and they were... Um, they were trying to process things that they had learned um, along the way, and so again, we we were not on a, an agenda to um, to say no, that's wrong, and we're right. You know, no, we just wanted to say let's look at scripture and let's evaluate where we are as a church at Harvest and and how we wanted to move forward biblically, and um, that took some time. But man, I. I just got a, a Facebook message last night from a parent because they're that we worked together out there for many years and and their daughters come to faith and and um man they were just man we wish we could have been there to hear you sing and be under your your music ministry because we miss it and we love it and and but they were one of the couples that we spent time with and it was just really neat it's just really neat to see that that they've grown in their own journey of of what worship is but it it just takes time. And, um, obviously through that time period, 
lots of music started to become readily available. And, and so in the past, it no one knew who so-and-so was. or And we didn't have our phones to really just, you know, people are starting to Google, who's that guy? And, and so um, even that process of putting things up on PowerPoint and who sent, who wrote it, and um, those are things we had to talk through as a body and a church. And um, where I'm at right now, I, um, we're, we're in a context where people don't have any clue <laughs> who, who these people are. And the one thing that they're focusing on is the text because they come from a religion that is very deceitful and it's, it's communicating the wrong view of who Christ is. And so, um, finding texts that, that, that the tune just weds together perfectly in and ministers to the heart is is probably our number one priority. So that's what I I do. I I don't even I don't know. I I don't I don't really even look at who's written the song. I I we're looking for is it is it word centered and is it God focused and um and uh, how is that tune fit with that and. And then, uh, and then along the way, we're helping our people because our people are in our context now are coming from all different kinds of stuff, and so we're trying to actually channel them into a a God focused, word centered area in their own personal listening and and helping them in that way. So i I was telling someone uh, last night at the conference um, that you know if you listen to some of these songs that you know if I choose a song in our worship service and and someone wants to go listen to it on their own, you know, I've always told people, you know, you can find, you know, amazing grace sung 50 million different ways, right? And and you're going to go find the way that you like. And so we've also, as we inc- we incorporate these songs intentionally in our worship service, we, we've established um, the way that we're going to actually sing a song. And that's become the culture of our church. And and who we are, and we're not trying to be like somebody else or how they might sing the song, and that's their prerogative, how they want to arrange it and, and record it and sing it. But a lot of these songs are written in in a lead sheet way, which means there's just a melody line and, and a chord. There's not that's you know a style that's associated with, with a song. And so we've I've taken that personally um, and, and responsibly in our own church. What is that? How is that going to be sung in our church, in our context? And so that is that is something, too, to help people in your church because they're going to sometimes go listen to the song and uh, think that that's kind of the direction we're going. And we're like, no, actually, again, we're going to be God-focused, word-centered. We're going to be um, connecting that tune and the text together in the best possible way. And it might mean we're going to use the keyboard. It might mean we're going to use a guitar. It might mean we're going to sing a cappella, um, or we're going to use a violin, and we're going to have a cello in there. You know, in, in churches that are small like ours, we don't have the luxury of having a lot of instruments. So um, it's keeping things simple. That's the way I, my approach is: is I want to keep the instrumentation as simple as possible because I don't want it to be distracting to the text and what we're singing about. And so. A lot of that has been a process, and it and and it probably will be a process moving forward. But I've observed, at least in my limited time in the ministry, many others could speak authoritatively on this and probably have their own opinions on it. But I've observed that um, people who are, are hungry for 
um, the word and really want to be discipled and want to grow to be more like Jesus, that, you know, they're, it, it, some of those things really don't matter. They just want to sing to the Lord and they just can't wait to do that. And so who sings what isn't really um, an issue with them. And then I've also observed in our younger generation that they can tell if something is really authentic. And I think that's, um, again, something that you can't manufacture. It's a relationship that you have with the Lord. And um, and so if we're going to reach the next generation, it's not by choosing a cool song. <laughs> it's actually about um, being word-centered and walking in the word and and taking the time to walk them through some of these biblical principles and and I found I found that these um, the younger ones I mean they just can't wait to sing and they want to sing they but they just don't want to sing something that's just a routine and going through the motions and there's no purpose and there's no real life connection to these truths that they're singing about and so all of that I think is part of what we would call discipleship in helping people to grow in those areas. Kevin, I'm hearing the word shepherd and shepherding. You view leading in the musical worship as shepherding, and that's I think, catches the essence of it. And I do think of Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, the word-centered, and then uh, the outflow of that is teaching and admonishing one another, and in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace, in your hearts to the Lord. So it's something that's within us as a result of God's Word that flows out in praise and worship to Him, and it's all in that element of grace and uh, the realm of grace. So thank you for that focus, and and uh, I hope that the guys who are listening will, will have that heart of a shepherd. You know, it's not about, I want to do it this way, or I heard somebody else do it a certain way, but just, I want to shepherd my people and help them grow in, in God's Word and in responding to that in, in grace. So thank you so much for that emphasis and just for everything you've shared. Mm-hmm. So now Kevin um, is uh, a vocalist and ministers with the gift God has given him uh, in, in his voice and, and his music uh, abilities and uh, creativity. So thank you for that, Kevin, for your ministry to the body of Christ in that way. I would love for my pastor friends to know um, how they could access your recordings. So could you share that and then just give a quick word about where you're going next in your ministry in uh, the new church planting endeavor you'll be involved in? Yeah, so um, I wish that I carried CDs, but I don't anymore. Um, but I do believe heartpublications.com um, has some recordings still that, that are available online. Um, I think there's actually some being sold on Amazon Prime, which I know I didn't know. So someone's selling them on Amazon Prime, so you can access that there. Uh, um, or uh, you can get on our website at gospelhoperiverton.com and uh, email me, and I can be able to find some way to get you a recording. Um, yeah, it's been 25 years since I've lived in Hawaii, and, and it's always been a burden to head back home. And God is has you know, um, taking me on different paths and just so thankful as we've been sharing. But um, June 7th will be our last Sunday at Gospel Hope Church in Riverton. And uh, and I'm just thankful for that church and the team there that has 
um, really desires to be a healthy church that plants uh, healthy churches. And and although they're not planting, we're not officially planting out of Gospel Hope, they're sending us um, uh, to help in a revitalization in Hawaii and at the same time being a help um, in a church plant in Laie, which is uh, the Mormon side of the island on Oahu. And so um, God's just given us a a real burden to help churches like this church here in um, Hawaii to disciple and to help um, people grow in the Word and um, to get them to be a, a church that's healthy so that they can start planting other churches in Hawaii. And, um, and so we're excited about that. Great. Well, maybe you would take a minute and pray for Kevin and his family as they launch into that new new ministry and season of life for them. Again, Kevin, I can't thank you enough uh, for just sharing your thoughts and, and philosophy, really, of, of musical worship, and I know that's going to help and encourage uh, some of my pastor friends. So what I'd like to do is have prayer, and as part of the Shepherdology podcast, I always pray for you and and just bring you before the Lord, and I want to do that in connection with what we've talked about. So if you can just, wherever you are, just uh, quiet your mind and heart and let me enter into prayer for you, my pastor friend, in, in your behalf. Father, we praise you. You are the God who created music, and you are the, the one who is worthy of our worship and our praise. And I thank you for Kevin Inafuku and, and the way you've used him in churches and beyond local churches to the, the, the greater body of Christ to uh, help us to think about worship and to, to think worshipfully toward you and to sing worship. And I pray that even what he has shared of his own experiences and, and thoughts would would help and encourage pastors in doing that in their churches. And Lord, I do pray that my pastor friends would shepherd their churches to let the Word of Christ dwell in them individually, but also corporately in that church, richly and in all wisdom, and that the result of that is that there would be teaching and admonishing of one another, and that psalms and hymns and spiritual songs would be sung, that people would sing with grace in their hearts to you. Lord, I pray that there would be growth in this, that people truly would sing with their spirits and with understanding. And and it's not just so that we'll feel good about church, but so that you will be glorified because you are worthy of our greatest and utmost praise and of us doing that, not just not just routinely or habitually, but thoughtfully and purposefully. And so I pray that you'd help my pastor friends to shepherd their churches in doing just that. So so bless them, encourage them, lift them up, and may what we've shared today help them in their ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, my friend, for joining me here today on Shepherdology. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email me at shepherdologypodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at DeanHTaylor63, and you can also go to my website, DeanHTaylor.com. I look forward to connecting with you and getting together again soon, and we will talk Shepherdology.